Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. All witnesses, persons of interest, and or suspects are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. We, uh, we lost our friend. We don't know where he had gone. And kind of worried that he, something happened to him. This is Method and Madness, Episode 55, Loyalty. Enrique Roman Martinez. I'm your host, Don Gandhi. Lookout, a string of barrier islands on North Carolina's Outer Banks. It's recognizable by its distinctive lighthouse, like something out of a Lewis Carroll storybook. A black and white diamond pattern adorns the still-functioning beacon, its light shining over the Atlantic at night. Private boats and ferries travel to the islands, bringing visitors to the beaches for horse-watching, fishing, swimming. It was a couple of months into the COVID lockdown, Memorial Day weekend 2020, when eight Army soldiers from nearby Fort Bragg boarded a ferry for Cape Lookout. They were going to spend a few days camping on one of the beaches. On the second day of their excursion, at around 7 p.m., a 911 call was made from that island. The caller said that his friend and fellow Army soldier, 21-year-old specialist, Enrique Roman Martinez was missing. The group had last seen him at their campsite the night before. A search was launched to find the missing soldier who had, according to his group, walked off in the dark without his wallet, phone, or glasses. The only way on or off the island was by boat. It was several days later when Enrique's severed head washed up on the shore. Today, I'm joined by Griselda Martinez, who is fighting for justice for her baby brother, Enrique. And the recruiter, I'll never forget his words. I won't forget his words because they haunt me to this day. My mom told the recruiter, you see you see my boy right now, you see him, every single part of him, every single part of him, his arms, his legs, his fingers, his Everything, every piece of his body that's on him, down to the last hair on his head. He promised if he leaves for the army, when he comes back, every bit of him will be back, will come back to me. And they said, ma'am, I promise you, the army is the safest place in the whole world. He's going to be in the safest place in the whole world. And I think about it a lot. Let's dive in. She was handed the role that nobody asks for. She's searching for answers, truth, and justice for the murder of Enrique Roman Martinez. Griselda is another warrior that I'm honored to speak with today. It's hard when you're grieving someone to 
seek justice. Where do you even start? You know, I'm not going to lie. I don't know where all of this came from that I had to, you know, get the news involved, that I had to call this person. I don't know where that came, that strength came from. And I thank God every day that I had it, you know, and it's hard. It's very difficult. Sometimes I find myself not knowing what to do. And I'm blessed that sometimes it just comes to me. Hi, my name is Griselda Martinez. I am Enrique Roman Martinez's older sister, well, one of them, and I am the middle one, and I'm here to pretty much tell Enrique's story. Enrique Roman Martinez was born on September 7, 1998. From Chino, California, Enrique was a son, brother, uncle, grandson, and friend. He was known for being incredibly affectionate as a child. Growing up, he had a very special relationship with his family, especially his mother, Maria, to whom he was very close. His family called him Kike as a nickname. Enrique was a character, for sure. He was a very genuinely kind person. Um, He's very different. Enrique was incredibly kind and generous and there's just so many examples that I have of him being that person I think the best thing about my brother was that he was very noble people like that are very hard to come by there's many instances where Enrique always stuck up for what he believed was right and that was the number one thing about my brother he always stuck up for what was right That was one of the most important things for him. Anytime he saw someone being treated unjustly, he would always speak up. You know, a lot of the times he would take blame for things that his friends did so they wouldn't get in as much trouble. And that was pretty much him growing up. Griselda has many touching memories of her brother. His love of anime and video games, his ability to memorize how to achieve those higher levels, his jokes and knack for making others laugh, and their relationship. How she would bake for him his favorite was chocolate cake. The more chocolate, the better. And well, all of the little things that made Enrique, Enrique. And I remember his favorite foods. He was a little bit different. I think I mentioned that he was a little weird. But he would dip his hot Cheetos in water. I don't know why. His favorites were hot Cheeto puffs and... He would dip them in water, and then he would drink the water afterwards, and it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. In 2016, at age 17, Enrique expressed interest in going into the Army, something that his mother and two sisters were a little reluctant to support. But Enrique was optimistic that he could accomplish a lot and make a positive impact. Me and my mom were like, absolutely not, like, you cannot fight to save your life. My brother was incredibly non-confrontational in a way where he just would not start a fight. He wasn't a fighter. He may stand up for someone, but never like for himself per se. So that was the concern me and my mom always had was that he would always stick up for anybody. Doesn't matter. Even if that person was in the wrong, he'd stick up for them if he thought it was unfair. But for himself, he would never stick up for himself. Since Enrique was a minor, the army recruiter needed parental permission which was granted with some hesitance. And then Enrique enlisted and officially was a member of the Army in March 2017. After completing training at the Airborne School at Fort Benning in Georgia, he was assigned as a paratrooper 
at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. At the time of his murder, Enrique was an 82nd Division paratrooper working as a human resources specialist. He was assigned to the 37th Brigade Engineer Battalion, 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne Division in Fort Bragg, home of the Airborne and Special Operations Forces. His accomplishments included being awarded the Army Good Conduct Medal, the National Defense Service Medal, Global War on Terror Service Medal, Army Service Ribbon, and the Army Parachutist Badge. During the month of May 2020, Fort Bragg soldiers were under direct orders to stay close to the base, with travel bans being the norm at that time. It was coming up on Memorial Day weekend. Griselda spoke to her brother that Wednesday. They talked a lot during lockdown, got each other through some of that uncertainty many of us felt at an uneasy time. During that particular phone call, Griselda asked if he had any plans for the holiday. Enrique said he wasn't sure. He'd either stay in his room and play video games, or he may get called in to do a Memorial Day parade. Griselda offered to come out and visit him, but he turned her down, not wanting her to waste money in case he was unable to get away to see her. They agreed they would talk on Friday, but when Griselda called her brother that day, she got no answer. Assuming he must be busy, she didn't think much of it, until the rest of the day went by, and Enrique still hadn't returned her call. Now she was getting a sense of something weird, that little voice or feeling in your gut that something isn't right. But she tried to shrug it off. Saturday came and went, and then on Sunday, Griselda's mom got a call from a number she didn't recognize. The two women were shopping at Costco near their home in California. Griselda picked up the call. I can't remember if it was Colonel Oten or Captain Iyer first. I just get mixed up who it was. And I'm talking to them like, is your brother there? I'm like, why would my brother be here? No, he's not home. He's, he should be at work, you know? And then they were like, well, he's been missing. And I'm like, what do you mean he's been missing? I just talked to him on Wednesday. And that's when he explained to me, yeah, you know, he went on a camping trip with these seven people and he disappeared. Griselda said her heart dropped. It had been four days since she'd talked to Enrique. Had he been missing that whole time? Why was she just hearing about it now? She had tons of questions. What happened that weekend? What was the last thing her brother said to someone? Did he have his phone? The officer confirmed that Enrique had gone missing Friday night into Saturday morning, around midnight, from a campsite on South Core Banks. And he was without his phone, his wallet, and his glasses, an immediate red flag for Griselda. He couldn't see without his glasses, and he'd always had his phone on him. She was questioned about whether or not Enrique did drugs, or if he was suicidal, to which Griselda responded no. She and her mother immediately purchased flights from California to North Carolina, but the earliest they could get was a flight for Tuesday morning. The wait was excruciating, and Griselda spent that time crying, praying, and pleading with people on Facebook who were in the area of Fort Bragg to come forward if they knew anything. 
No authorities had provided names of anyone that Enrique was with that weekend, and the feeling of helplessness was too much for Griselda. You know, and there was a lot of reports coming up that they had seen my brother on the side of a white Jeep, you know, hanging off, you know, him and someone else on the other side. And they were speeding down the island, and that was probably as much as people had seen. Griselda was only getting little bits of information at the time. A lot more would come out over the next several months. It turned out that Enrique and seven other soldiers had left Fort Bragg early on Friday, May 22nd, and drove four and a half hours, then boarded a ferry to Cape Lookout National Seashore. Enrique had decided to go last minute and had arrived at the site in a white jeep with three other soldiers. The rest of the group arrived in a truck. Witnesses had seen the white jeep driving down the beach with Enrique hanging on the side, standing on one of the side steps. According to the rest of his group, later that day, Enrique's tent was knocked over by the wind. They assisted him in putting it back up, and then they say Enrique walked off without bringing anything with him or telling anyone where he was headed. He was just wearing a pair of blue shorts, no shirt. It was around midnight. A real head-scratcher was that nobody contacted the authorities when Enrique failed to return to the campsite. In fact, that Saturday... After the group woke up and Enrique was still not there, they didn't make any phone calls, not to authorities, and a park ranger had approached the group that day. They had been told they were parked illegally, a perfect opportunity for any of the seven soldiers to ask for help locating their friend. It's been confirmed by the park ranger that nobody in the group mentioned anything about searching for Enrique. No, it wasn't until hours later, 19 hours after they last saw him, that someone in the group dialed 911. Um, we are on uh, Cape Lookout. We are at Cape Lookout Island and between uh, mile marker uh, 46 and, and 47 uh-huh. by the jetties. And we... Uh, we lost our friend. We don't know where he has gone. And we're kind of worried that he, something happened to him. So where's, the, where's the last spot you saw him at? So, so last, we all went to bed last night. And when we woke up, he was not here. And we've been looking for him all day. We were trying to find the park ranger or we, their offices or anything. And so we went all the way to the... Uh, the ferry and we found where we needed to dial 911. We weren't sure if that's what we had to do out here. So yeah, we can we can get core, um, uh, Park Service in contact with you, sir. Are you are you on Corebanks or Shackleford? Are you like close close to Cape Lookout? Yeah, we're on Cape Lookout. Okay. Oh, I see where you're at. Okay. All right. And how long has he been missing? Um. We woke up at I woke up at eight thirty, and we've been looking for him all day. We weren't sure if he, what, we might be afraid that he might have hurt himself, or we're, we're, we're really not sure. Okay, hold on one second. And you said between mile marker 30, 36 and 37? No, 46 and 46 and 47. Okay, sorry about yeah. that. And when was the last time you saw him? So we all went to bed at, at 12.03. Okay. 
That's when we all decided to go to bed, and that is the last time he saw him. Okay, hold on one second, sir. All right, sir, I'm sorry about that. What's the phone number you're calling from? Okay, what's your name? Alex. And how old is he? He is 22. 22? Or 21. I'm sorry, 21. Okay, and does he have any physical, medical, or mental conditions that we need to be aware of? Um, he did. He, he wasn't diagnosed, but he did have suicidal tendencies. Okay. Okay, I just need a description of him. What's his race? He is Mexican. Okay. He has black hair, brown eyes. And what's his name? His name is Roman Martinez, or Enrique Martinez. Okay, and do you know what kind of clothing he was wearing at all? So he was just, when we last saw him, he was just wearing blue shorts. Do you know his height or weight at all? Um, I would say he's around 180, 185, and he's probably 5'6", 5'7". Okay, and was anybody last seen with him, or do you think he went off by himself? Oh, he had to have gone off by himself. Okay. Like I said, we all, we all went to sleep. Okay, and he would have left on foot? Yes, that's the only way he had to. We only have two cars in there, both still here. Okay. Do you know of anywhere he may have gone on the island at all? No clue. This is our first time being here, so I gotcha. we have no clue. Do you know if he took any personal items with him? We searched his tent and everything is still there. He even left his phone in his wallet. Okay, so he doesn't have any trackable technology? Okay. No, sir. Do you know if he might have any weapons with him or anything? Negative. Okay. And then, did he leave any notes, letters, or threats or anything? We have looked through everywhere, and it's nothing. not his phone. We, we we don't have the password, so we can't look on that. We can't. Okay. All right, sir. Um, if you're able to, just try to find a recent photograph of him. We are getting in contact with Park Service uh, to come make contact with you. If he does come back, just give us a call back immediately. Yes, sir. And um, that's it. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> Okay. Uh, just let us know, and we are getting contact with Park Service. They may give you a call before they come out there and talk to you. Um, so it may come from a block or restricted number, so just make sure you answer it. Yes, sir. Several details stand out in this 911 call. Let's break it down for a moment. There's the specificity of the time the group went to bed. Not just around midnight, but at 12.03. An odd detail for sure. And notice that the caller says they'd been looking for their friend all day, that they were looking for park rangers or offices or something. We now know that they'd spoken to a park ranger earlier in the day when they were asked to move their cars. And how do seven people with cell phones spend an entire day searching for offices rather than using their devices to get help? If they thought Enrique may have hurt himself, why wait until 7 p.m. to call 911? The caller said he was awake at 8.30 that morning. And the caller doesn't even get Enrique's name correct, but is sure that the missing man has suicidal tendencies. And what about those tendencies? Enrique's family has adamantly denied this accusation. He had three months until he'd be discharged and he was looking forward to that reunion with his loved ones and pursuing a career in pharmacology. Griselda insists her brother would never do that to their mother. An official search was now underway, 
with help from the National Park Service, Marine Patrol, the County Sheriff's Office and their canine team, Army Criminal Investigation Division, and the U.S. Coast Guard. Enrique's disappearance and the search had hit the local news, urging anyone with information to contact Carteret County Dispatch. The Cape Lookout National Seashore Facebook page posted a photo of Enrique asking if anyone saw the young man or gave him a ride off of the island, detailing that he'd walked away from his friends early Saturday morning without water or supplies and hadn't been seen. An updated post said that a white Jeep Wrangler had been driving at a high rate of speed down the beach, with two men hanging off the side, followed by a blue Ford Ranger pickup. By the time she and her mother arrived at the island that Tuesday, Griselda's fears and anxiety only increased. The island had already been searched for days without any sign of Enrique. The island is not big at all. You could see from one side of the island to the other, so it's pretty narrow. And it's not like a huge chunk of it. Like you could probably walk the whole thing within like a couple hours. So they had been looking all over for him, even in the marsh, in the little forest that they have there. And they couldn't find him. They searched the water, they searched over the water and no one could find him. And, you know, my mom and I, we were going thinking, okay, they're just not doing a good enough job. So when we got there, when we got to the island, we knew he was gone. We knew we weren't gonna find him. Search and rescue efforts continued until the following weekend when it was announced that the search was being put on hold. Griselda reflects on receiving the devastating news. I remember praying that night and I prayed so hard. I remember telling God, gosh, don't, don't let this be it. Like, don't leave my family guessing. Don't leave my family hurting that maybe my brother could come back. If he's gone, he's gone, you know, his life is gone. But don't leave us guessing if he drowned or if, you know, he was swept away or something like that. Or, or you know, he was even killed. Just just don't hide it from us. You know, bring him home. He bring a piece of him home so we know that it's him even if it's just his head. And I remember praying so hard, just saying, please just bring him home. And that Friday of that week, my brother's decapitated head washed up on shore. Griselda and her mother were at the military base that morning when they got the call. Initially, they were asked for their DNA just in case any remains were found. They found out shortly after submitting their DNA that Enrique's head had been found, washed up on Shackleford Banks, not far from the campsite. Mrs. Maria Martinez, Ms. Griselda Martinez, we regret to inform you that this morning there were remains that were washed up ashore of Shackleford Banks, and we believe them to be your brother, your son. We believe him to be Enrique Roman Martinez. And I was speechless. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even, I was speechless. Like, I think I was just so shocked that it happened. I was hurt because, you know, of course, 
my mom let out let out the most painful cry I've ever heard. And I hear it, I hear it to this day. How much, how much a mother could feel pain for their child. It's, I felt like a piece of her died. And that was the piece of her that was leaving. And uh, it was incredibly difficult. And they were comforting my mother. They were holding her. She fell to the ground. She was pleading with them. She was pleading with God, saying, why my boy? He was so kind. He was so sweet. Why him? Griselda pleaded with the officers to make sure that the remains were that of her brothers. She demanded that DNA testing be done and asked if her brother had been murdered. At the time, that question was yet to be answered. While Enrique's family awaited a positive identification and autopsy findings, Griselda made those agonizing phone calls to loved ones to break the news. And then she and her mother returned home to California to await confirmation that the remains were that of Enrique's. The following Friday, June 5th, Sergeant Nieves and the chaplain came to the family's home. They are confirmed by dental records that they are Enrique Roman Martinez, specialist Enrique Roman Martinez's remains. And that was it. You know, I asked her, do you know if it's homicide? She said, yeah, I don't know. And uh, my mom was just completely devastated again. My sister was there. She was devastated. My brother-in-law just was incredibly devastated. Griselda was now on a mission to get all the questions answered. She called the lead investigator who confirmed at the time they still didn't know if it was homicide, but said that if it was, they would catch the person or persons responsible. The family now had to wait for more agonizing news, the cause and manner of death. It was possible what had happened to Enrique was some sort of accident, that maybe he'd been in the water and hit by a boat propeller. Griselda waited for the call that never came from the lead investigator. My mother-in-law sent me a article saying that it was murder, that the autopsy had determined that it was murder, and I was furious. I had just talked to him. If he had known this was my brother prior, he would have also known that this was labeled as homicide, you know? And so I called him, and he was incredibly rude. I told him, how could you? Like, you could have told my family at least, you know? Like, we deserve to know. And he told me, you're even lucky you know as much as you do know. You know, we check in with families at least once a month, when we get some information, we don't need to be telling you everything. And I was incredibly upset. I was so angry. I could not believe that he talked to me like this. And my mom, even prior to that, he had been, like anytime I asked a question, he would just walk around it and not answer it directly. And, you know, my mom always told me, don't be rude. Don't be rude. I'm like, I'm not being rude. I want to know. I don't understand why he's not answering me. Imagine that, being told after a family member's homicide 
that you're lucky to be told as much as you are, this coming from the army, that the expectation is a monthly check-in with families. Griselda contacted the medical examiner to find out how it was determined that her brother's manner of death was homicide. The Division of Forensic Pathology conducted the autopsy at East Carolina University's Brody School of Medicine. The report said there was evidence of multiple chop injuries, cuts to the back of the neck, somewhat crescent-shaped, which the ME explained to Griselda could only be used by a shovel or a hatchet or similar tool. The wound was approximately three-quarters of an inch deep. Additionally, Enrique had a broken jaw and a fractured cervical spine. The report said, quote, While decapitation is, in and of itself, universally fatal, the remainder of the body in this case was not available for examination, and therefore, potential causes of death involving the torso and extremities cannot be excluded. Under cause of death, it said homicide by undetermined means. If the military wasn't going to keep Griselda and her family in the loop, then she was determined to fight. She began telling Enrique's story to news outlets in hopes it would get coverage and attention leading to answers. It was around this time that another story was hitting the news, that of 20-year-old private first class Vanessa Guillen. Vanessa was also a soldier in the United States Army stationed at Fort Hood in Texas. Her remains were found on June 30th, near a river in Belton, Texas. She had been murdered on April 22nd and dismembered. Her alleged killer was Aaron David Robinson, a soldier who shot himself and died right as police were about to take him into custody. And that's when when I said Ian's story started coming out, which was very similar. Well, not exactly the same, but pretty similar, you know, circumstance she went missing, was found into pieces, so. It's just, the timing on everything is always crazy. I always think about it, and I remember calling, calling every news station that I could possibly find to help us. And they did, and they got my brother's story out. It wasn't as big as Vanessa Guillen's, but I was hoping for a lot of coverage, and yeah, I got a good amount, and I'm very blessed about that. I know now so many families like mine that didn't get the same. And I don't stop fighting for my brother. Finding out the names of who these people were was so difficult. I would ask a friend here, a friend there, someone kind of knew. And I I had the names at one point and I just needed someone to confirm them. And I didn't know who these people were. So I started messaging my brother's friends. Do you know him? What can you tell me about him? They would tell me what they did know. Oh, you know, I believe it was like Josh Curry, now it's Becerra. They're normally troublemakers. They're always getting into trouble, causing trouble, this and that. And I would ask him, is my brother friends with them? He's like, yeah, yeah, occasionally he hangs out with them, you know. They live in the same barracks your brother does. And okay. And everybody always told me your brother's so kind. He's so funny. He's so generous. He's a great person. And it was always so hard for me to understand if he's such a great person, why did these people wait 
a whole day just to report him missing. Like so many times did the did the park rangers see them and they didn't once think to mention my brother, you know, that he was missing. They didn't think that something bad could have happened to my brother, you know, and details about that night that I had found out was that they had been doing drugs and they had been drinking. I mean, they're young adults, right? I guess we can all pretty much say that we either know of someone or have done our, done it ourselves or we've done drugs and drinking and have gone out to go camping or go to a party or something. And I don't know the full details. I just know here and there that there was drinking and drugs involved, that there was a fight, there was an altercation, and that my brother kept saying that he wanted to leave, um, that he didn't want to be there. My brother was scared of the dark, and he also wasn't the best swimmer. So him being so far away from home was understandable that he would be saying that. And to me, it's still a mystery what happened. What I strongly believed happened was that there was an altercation, as far as I know. Let's take a break. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What had happened to Enrique Roman Martinez at that campsite remained a mystery that summer, as protesters took to the streets, demanding justice for the soldier and for PFC Vanessa Guillen. Enrique's remains were returned to his family, and he was laid to rest in August at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Covina, California. Officials had announced a reward, which was now increased to $50,000 for any information provided. With seven other people present at that campsite, how was so little known about the circumstances regarding Enrique's disappearance and homicide? Griselda was told by investigators that there appeared to be no motive for any of the soldiers to harm her brother. And any question about why the group took 19 hours to report him missing? Well, that was explained as he's a grown man and can do what he wants. Griselda finds that preposterous, as soldiers are supposed to stick together. The U.S. Army's website details their values as, quote, Many people know what the words loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage mean. Loyalty is described as follows. Bear true faith and allegiance to the U.S. Constitution, the Army, your unit, and other soldiers. Bearing true faith and allegiance is a matter of believing in and devoting yourself to something or someone. A loyal soldier is one who supports the leadership and stands up for fellow soldiers. By wearing the uniform of the U.S. Army, you are expressing your loyalty. And by doing your share, you show your loyalty to your unit. 
Where was the loyalty on that Saturday when seven soldiers woke up to find their fellow soldier gone? The seven that accompanied Enrique to Cape Lookout were six men and one woman. They are Sergeant Samuel Moore, PFC Samad Landrum, Private Anna Marie Cochell, Specialist Juan Avila, Specialist Joshua Curry, Specialist Benjamin Siebley, and finally, Specialist Alex Becerra, the man who made the 911 call. None of them offered any explanation of what happened to Enrique that weekend. All that's available is speculation. Was Enrique lured off the base for some reason? Did he encounter something or someone nefarious that night? Was his death accidental and covered up by the seven other soldiers? They waited. They, and I think about all seven of them, all of them, even the ones that say that they weren't involved or don't know what happened or weren't anywhere near or whatever, they all have their own story. And I think about it, and they're all just guilty. They waited a whole day to report my brother missing, a whole day. For what? Just so they wouldn't get in trouble? They're in trouble anyways. You know, and I lost my brother because of them. And they can never, never bring my brother back. And I hope, I hope with all of my heart that they feel guilty. I feel with all of my heart that they, you know, can't sleep at night knowing that they caused my brother to be murdered, whether it be by their own hands or I don't know. But I know in my eyes that it's their fault. Could there have been issues within the group, something that led to an altercation? He never mentioned anything outright. There was little things that made me believe, oh, maybe just someone's being a jerk. You know, sometimes people are just like that. Some people are just mean. And there was a couple times where he told me, I'm not allowed to speak Spanish, so I have to talk to you guys in English because we're not allowed. And I'm like, are you serious? You're not allowed to speak your native language and he's like yeah I'm not allowed and there was little things like that or you know a couple times he mentioned workplace drama like well my higher up is or someone that's I guess on his level is yelling at him in front of a sergeant so he looks better so he can get promoted and my brother would complain about that and you know I would say well is it a problem outside of work he's like no and you know pretty much it that I heard of him ever really having problems on top of just being bored in the military, you know, and feeling like he can't do more with his life. And that's it. You know, I I never really heard of him being bullied or anything. And knowing that the type of person my brother would be, he wouldn't ever tell me because, you know, I'd go into big sister mode and want to go beat someone up for him. And ever since he was a little boy, he never once told us if he was bullied and that's kind of what makes this a little bit harder is that just knowing that if something had been going on he didn't tell us there had been one incident in january of 2020 at a party there was some drinking including underage drinking and enrique who was designated driver decided he was too intoxicated to get behind the wheel Alex Becerra, the 911 caller, drove instead. 
So they started driving home, I guess, and he got pulled over. He got in trouble for drunk driving. And he was ultimately almost let go of the military. And then my brother went and said, I don't think that's fair that he's getting in trouble because I drank too. And it wasn't just the driving under the influence, but also because other people that were underage were also drinking at that party. So because they had brought some alcohol, they were also getting in trouble for that. So my brother went and told his captain that he did not think it was fair that his friend was getting in trouble. He was getting in trouble for this and that he should also be punished because he was supposed to be a designated driver and wasn't. So, you know, the captain at the time was thought that this was quite noble of my brother and gave them both alcoholic, I guess, like classes or like therapy. Anyway, so that had happened. So I guess that goes on your record pretty badly in the military and does kind of keep you from advancing in the military. So I know that there was a lot of talk that like Alex Becerra would bring this up to my brother every chance that he could, that my brother ruined it for him. And I know my brother felt guilty. I know my brother would have never wanted this for his friend because that's just who my brother was. And back to that same pattern of the family being left in the dark regarding information, it wasn't until court proceedings that Griselda started to gain some knowledge of what happened that weekend. Yes, court proceedings. The seven soldiers that had accompanied Enrique that weekend have all faced charges, but none are related to Enrique's homicide. They were all charged with one count of conspiracy and failure to obey a direct order for ignoring the travel ban that was in place. Alex Becerra pleaded guilty to LSD use and disobeying a superior officer. He was demoted to the rank of private. Anna Marie Cashel and Samad Landrum were also charged with LSD use. The group also faced charges related to lying to officers. Alex Becerra's girlfriend, Anna Marie Cashel, had accompanied the group that weekend, but Becerra had instructed the others not to mention her name, afraid that she'd receive disciplinary action. She was already in trouble for underage drinking from earlier that year. Sam Moore was charged with conspiracy and making false statements regarding Enrique's disappearance. He was demoted to specialist. Josh Curry was charged with failure to obey a lawful order and one count of dereliction of duty. It took months before the group was ordered to stop speaking to one another, and they broke that order as well, though they claim they didn't speak to each other about the ongoing investigation. Griselda saw Alex Becerra, Anna-Marie Cochelle, and Samad Landrum in court. I just felt nothing but fury towards them. And I was in his anger. And I wish the worst on them with all of my heart and all of my life. And just how they're just living and breathing and my brother's, my brother's dead. How in the mausoleum that my brother's in, it's just his head. It's a whole casket. And the only thing that's in there is his head. And a uniform without a body. And I looked at them in their stupid uniforms, their stupid badges and their stupid hats and their stupid boots. And I just think about how much I hate them, how much I hate their life, how much I hate they're just living walking, breathing, laughing, because 
they can because they're alive and my brother's not. Griselda says that the case brought to the courtroom was all a joke. Lawyers weren't prepared. They were laughing about how easy it was. It felt like a slap in the face to Enrique and to his family. I couldn't, I could not, I could not believe the cards that I was dealt. I could not believe the injustice that I felt that my family's the one suffering. My fa- I lost my brother. You could never do, the United States Army could never do anything to bring back my brother to life. Bring him back, bring all his pieces back because they can't find all his pieces. They cannot bring him back to me. But, and what they could have done is at least given me a great team to go to bat for my family. And they couldn't do that. They didn't do that. Why? I don't know. I think about it all the time. Would it have really been that difficult for them to do that? You know? That team didn't have their arguments together. That, I mean, he pled guilty to a few of them. Things that you really couldn't say that he didn't do. And he actually wasn't, I believe there was like eight things that he was being charged against. And there was a couple that he won himself, including, you know, hiding the fact that Anna Coachell was there was the fact that he was the one who told people that, leave her out of it. Just hiding that fact. So here we have a group that continuously lied to investigators, that withheld information, and who, for at least some of them, used powerful hallucinogenic drugs that weekend. Their loyalty was in protecting one soldier, Anna Marie Cashel. Where was their loyalty to Enrique, their fellow soldier who didn't die during combat, but was murdered. In January of 2023, it was reported that there's an investigation into a dozen soldiers regarding illegal drug activity at North Carolina's Fort Bragg. That story is still developing. It's no wonder Griselda has so much anger over the handling of her brother's case. She feels that it hasn't been taken seriously. Rather, it's been swept under the rug and that the army is more focused on appearances and recruitment. Anything that would reflect poorly on the army, they seem like they're trying to keep out of the news. There appears to be a lack of urgency to get this gruesome murder solved, and Enrique deserves more than that. His family deserves to give him a proper burial, one that includes all of him. But it wasn't even until December of 2020, seven months after Enrique's remains were found, that divers were sent out into the water to search for more evidence. In November 2021, after conducting hundreds of interviews, searching for evidence, executing warrants, the case was officially moved to cold case status. Nobody has ever been charged for the murder of Enrique Roman Martinez. Where does his case stand now? My brother's case is a cool case now because with all the evidence, with all the timing, with the seven witnesses, they couldn't, they couldn't find enough evidence. So my brother's case is a cool case. Currently, the Congresswoman, Norma Torres, super awesome, who's been helping me, is trying to push a bill 
and the bill is to make a branch or a section in the military that will work on cold cases. And there's a ton of them. Normally, they just get pushed aside and that's it. There's no justice for those families. There's a lot of families like mine. So they, she's trying to get together a branch that will still work on those. She's hoping it'll, it, in it, it also includes someone that's not affiliated with the military to be in the investigation team. So it's a really cool law that she's trying to pass. I, I'll send you the link, but she named it after my brother, Enrique Roman Martinez. So, you know, I'm very honored that she did. To me, it's it's about helping other families like mine. Like, I can't tell you how often I think of my brother. I think of him every day. I see him. I see parts of him everywhere. I, you know, things remind me of him. And I think about all the families just like mine that are doing the same thing. And all we want is answers. We want justice. So I, you know, urge people to get their congressmen and women of their area of their state to help get this through. Just like the Vanessa Guillen law that went through, the same for my brother. You know, change starts with us. And I hope that one day I can get justice. I hope that one day we'll live in a world where this would never happen again, where no one has to be scared to send their kid to the military to be killed on their homeland by their own colleagues. And on, on top of that, just, you know, spread my brother's story. Something had to have happened in North Carolina on, on that island. Something had to have happened. And I just want the truth. That's it. That's all I want. And as long as people spread the story, you know, if they could tell some, at least one person the story, or just to tell one more, that, that'd be awesome for me. We do have a GoFundMe for our expenses, you know, like when we travel to North Carolina for you know, briefings or court case or anything really. And we do currently have a private investigator as well. And if people can't, you know, donate to our GoFundMe, it's justice for Enrique Roman. Representative Norma Torres, a congresswoman for California, introduced a bill, the Enrique Roman Martinez Military Cold Case Justice Act of 2022. If passed, it will create uniform standards for military cold cases and establish procedures should an investigator leave the case. What's needed, Torres says, is, quote, military investigators need established processes and procedures for cold cases, including a process for independent review when necessary. Without them, investigators cannot be held accountable for failing to move forward with cases like these, and I will do all I can to ensure no military family in the United States has to wait for justice or answers. Please help Griselda and her family get justice for Enrique. Check the show notes for today's call to action. Me and him, we were pretty close. We talked a lot, and you just you just don't expect it. When I tell you, I this caught my whole family blindsided it was incredibly difficult you know he only had when this whole thing occurred 
he had three months left to leave the army. You know, three months, that's it. He had a little countdown on his phone. Investigators later told me that he had a countdown. He was counting down the days to go home. I know he was incredibly homesick. He missed mom. He missed, you know, hanging out with his family, his friends here back at home. And he was just really ready to leave the military and do something with his life. Thank you to Griselda Martinez for sharing your story with me. If anyone has any information about the murder of Enrique Roman Martinez, please contact Army CID Special Agents at 910-396-8777. Persons who wish to remain anonymous will be honored to the degree allowable under the law, and the information will be held in the strictest confidence allowable. To learn more about Enrique's case, you can visit my friends over at Uncovered.com to see an interactive map and timeline and search their database for other cases. Thank you for listening to this episode of Method and Madness. If you haven't already, please leave a rating or review, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect, I'm on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and Madness Pod. To chat, suggest a case, or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodofmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method of Madness is research written and hosted by me. It is sound edited by Mo and Spo. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text hello to 741 741.